Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in. I want to thank you guys for tuning in week after week. You guys are amazing. Thank you for believing in me. I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, uh, Veracity Networks, and iHeal Institute. You guys are fantastic as well. And I know you believe in this cause and the things that I'm doing here and um, you're making it possible. So I love you guys and, and I appreciate all your support. And then I also like to just, again, give a shout out to all my previous guests. We've had some amazing people on and today's going to be no different. You guys are going to love this person today. Today we're joined by Courtney Rich. Courtney, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, I, I'm going to read a little bit about Courtney because <laughs> she's got quite the resume here. Um, Courtney is the mother of two amazing kids. She's married to her best friend, and she teaches cake classes at Orson Gigi. Is that correct? Yeah. Right? And uh, you do that in Salt Lake City, and they're also online classes as well, uh-huh. in person and online. Uh, she's the host of her own podcast called Beyond the Cake. Beyond the Cake is where she shares stories that inspire, uplift, and fill your soul with joy, much like cake. <laughs> I love that. She um, she has a popular Instagram account called Cake by Courtney, along with a popular blog featuring her amazing cakes. Courtney holds a Bachelor's of Arts degree from Brigham Young University in broadcast journalism. She uses that experience to share her baking passion on local television and in food conferences all over the country. She's been on the Kelly Clarkston Show, the Today Show, Studio 5, Home and Family TV, Good Things Utah, just to name a few. Ultimately, she's a self-taught baker and obsessed with cake. And I just, I mean, the list goes on. (laughs) You're amazing. Um, I told you before we got on air, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is I really admire the way you carry yourself. Thank you. You know, I just, you're so passionate about what you do, but more than that, you're just a kind loving, you know, empathetic individual. And it's just, I I want my listeners to hear how you got here. (laughs) Gosh, that's incredibly kind. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. So why don't we start? Tell us where you grew up and a little bit about your family. Yeah. Oh, I grew up all (laughs) over. We moved a bunch growing up. Um, My dad's in the media industry. Okay. And so he worked on the sales side of television and then um, went okay. into managing television stations. And so we just followed that career. So born in Chicago, go oh, Bulls. Wow. We'll go. Always go. I'm a Bulls fan. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, I was a huge Michael Jordan oh, fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. How could awesome. you not be? Yep, that right. still runs in the blood. Um, <laughs> and then we were off to Pittsburgh and then Los Angeles. And then we moved to Utah for a little bit, actually not far from the recovery center. And then we went back to California where I finished up high school. Okay. Basically in the same area we had been before so oh, really okay i call southern california home you know that's where yeah. my parents are both still there in different parts they're divorced okay. um my husband's parents are there we didn't know, know each other growing up or anything but california is kind of where we always now gravitate towards and go to for holidays and summer vacations so that does feel like home um but i sure do love the midwest and all the people out there we can talk about some of my background in broadcast journalism but it took me 
across the country as I did focus groups. And I just always loved when I got to go to the Midwest because right. I just felt so at home yeah. with everyone. I am the second oldest of four kids okay. in my immediate family. Um, I've got an older brother. We're really close in age, about a year and a half. And you know, kind of had that <laughs> probably like typical relationship. We were best friends growing up and then we fought like crazy sure, through yeah. high school, oh, yeah. you know, over the cars. <laughs> and now we're best friends again. And he's just one of my biggest heroes. And I have a little brother who about three years younger than me, um, who's so fun. And he lives close by and is just starting his family. And then my little sister is our caboose. She's 10 years younger oh, wow. than okay. I am. Yeah. And she was just a little sister I prayed for over and over again. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. just sandwiched between two boys and wanted to be a, a big sister and she made those dreams come true. Wow, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about what were you like as a child? Were you, I mean, because again, you know, the way you carry yourself now is so impressive. How were you as a child and was that always the case? You know, were you this confident um, person back then? I, I think so. I We <laughs> joke because my parents, and I do remember this even I guess when I was in elementary school, but from when I was very young, my parents would joke and say that I was the president of the happy club. You could <laughs> throw Courtney across the room, really? she'd hit the wall and still bounce back with a <laughs> smile and be happy. So I think yeah. I was born that way. I was born with a happy demeanor, um, an optimistic attitude. And I do think my parents encouraged that and they're both those type of people. So it just, yeah. I flourished in that environment. They're both very encouraging. My mom came from an environment where her dad, he was an executive at Sears in Chicago, uh, worked a ton and she was the second oldest in her family, the oldest daughter in her family. And her mom, not necessarily hard on her, but didn't, I don't right. think appreciate all that my mom did for the family and for yeah. her. And I think my mom really tried to kind of prove herself and, yeah. and do things, especially to show my grandma kind of her worth. And I don't think my grandma, bless her heart, because she's amazing, sure. did the best job acknowledging and giving my mom the love, the love language that she needed, which was words of affirmation. And so my mom yeah. did a really good job. You know how we as parents are like, I'm going to do this right. because my parents did, or I'm going <laughs> to yeah. not do this because my parents did it and all those things. Um, you know, they both, both my parents did a really good job based on kind of some relationship stuff with their own parents just to encourage us kids and really try to instill confidence and positivity. And um, so, yeah, I, wow. I think it was definitely nature and nurture there. Wow, that's awesome. That's good. To, I mean, how lucky is that, that you had parents that were teaching you those things as a young child? Granted, oh, yeah. I know parents aren't perfect and right. no one is, but to be able to have that environment growing up in, but at the same time, you kind of had this just countenance that you're just this happy person. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I always looked up to my parents and still do. Yeah. I mean, I just from a young age, my mom always kind of had her hands in something. She was always still working. I didn't really realize it as a kid, mm -hmm. but she did broadcast journalism as well, but then um, developed a game by the time she was 26 and sold it to a game company called Hugger really? Mugger. She had three young kids, like really? was on the Today Show and in <laughs> publications across the country. And um, my dad was working in television at the time too. And so I just mm -hmm. looked at both of them as high achievers, self-motivated, yeah. And I was just drawn to it. I, yeah. Like just from a young age, I just remember watching my mom just thinking she was incredible. And, and same with my dad. And I remember a conversation actually with a friend. We were probably in elementary school, maybe early middle school. And she had asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. 
And like without hesitation, I said, well, I want to have an office like my dad. <laughs> and, you know, just right. this idea of like having an office working and yeah. I don't know, it was just always my thing. And, um, you know, it kind of worked out that way. And anyway, so I, I just was so drawn to their personalities and all that they did that I think that was like a big part of just me being motivated to do a lot of the things I've done. Right, which led you to getting a degree in broadcast yeah. journalism. And talk about that. Talk about that experience, you know. And that's not an easy thing <laughs> to do, you know, again. Yeah. So talk about that and, and how that kind of opened up the door to, you know, some of the things you're doing now even. Yeah. Um, I always knew I wanted to do broadcast journalism. I mean, I went through, like, I want to be a veterinarian and a teacher and, like, the <laughs> right. CIA, all store. the things, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as I got into high school and definitely by the time I was – going to BYU. I knew I wanted to do broadcast journalism. I loved what my dad did. I grew up going to the station with him and I would sit in his office and watch mm -hmm. talent reels oh, and okay. sit there and listen to him decide who he was going to offer an ob a job to for the evening news anchor, you know, right, and those yeah. kind of things. And I love discussions about work. And because my mom was a part of it too, we just, that was often the dinner table conversation and I loved hearing those. And so I was really excited about the industry having grown up around it. And I went to BYU, went to the head of the department and said, put me to work. Like, this is what right. I want to do. I know I'm a freshman. I don't have any credits, but what can I right. do? And they got me in the newsroom right away. Really? And I started editing tape oh, before wow. that was really fancy on computers <laughs> yeah. and just loved being in that environment. So it was just like a passion from the get go. And I always thought maybe I would do television like Katie Couric and Diane Sawyer. thought that would yeah. be so neat and so fun. Um, but as I was rounding out my senior year, I took a producing class and really enjoyed the behind the scenes and then okay. did an internship for a consulting company. And okay. the media consulting side does all the research for yeah. our television shows and our websites. And so there's quantitative, which is all the like data and the surveys that you would do maybe on your computer or your phone, right? right? And then there was qualitative and that's in-person interviews and research. And I got in with that company, graduated, got married and started working full-time as well as working at a station here in Salt Lake for a little bit. But the consulting became a passion. I loved the storytelling of that side. Okay. And so I would go out and they put me as like their main focus group moderator. I was 22 oh, wow. years old when I first started Dang. that. I was like the youngest one in the industry yeah. um, moderating groups. And I would travel the country and get a group of, I mean, there's facilities that uh, screen all the participants and bring people in depending on the type of criteria we had, but I would interview them. And I loved going out and just meeting complete strangers and spending a couple hours with them. Right. And even though we were talking about television, you learn so much about a person. Yeah. And I'm in this room of 10 to 12, mostly women usually were the groups that I did, sometimes men. And you just have all these different diverse backgrounds. And I loved the feeling of coming together to work on this one project. We all had a common goal, right? To yeah. like decide if the show was going to go on air and what to make, what to do to make it better. And, um, it was just really neat. I just always like left feeling grateful for those experiences and, you know, erring on the side of actually getting a little spiritual, I would always like leave feeling like, wow, we are all sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Like it just was impressed for right. almost 13 years, that feeling wow. on me as I looked at people from Cincinnati to St. Louis to Florida to Chicago to Denver, Phoenix. I mean, I was all over the place and did that for 13 years. Um, so it definitely gave me a good like base understanding of 
like marketing and advertising yeah. and behaviors, consumer behaviors and feelings, right? And yeah. attitudes. So definitely think that's helped contribute to what I'm doing now. Well, and doing that at such a young age, I mean, yeah. that that's impressive because I would imagine it also cultivated in you a confidence and a self-discipline and, and you know, getting out of your comfort zone and yeah. like, how do I make this work? And, and here you are 22 years old trying to figure this out. Absolutely. I mean, I remember a couple <laughs> years into it, the first time that I was able to present the report after the focus groups yeah. to the client. <laughs> and I was on a conference call with my boss next to me and we were getting going and he just looked at me and said, you know, gave me the like point of the finger, like this is you do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I'm reporting the findings, you know, and I was yeah. maybe 25 with executives wow. twice my age. And um, it was really neat. I mean, I made mistakes. I learned mm -hmm. things. And, you know, not too long after that, I was out on focus groups without any boss in the the mirror behind us and I was managing clients and and handling the whole thing and absolutely yeah. that just gave me a great amount of confidence that they would feel confident enough in me that I could go yeah. handle that yeah well I also want to touch base on I don't want to let that slide what you said just a minute ago um <laughs> that you see you you were seeing people as sons and daughters of God yeah I want to talk about that if yeah. that's okay oh, because how did so you started feeling this as you're seeing these people and you're interviewing them and you're having this experience. How did, like, wh why was that so profound to you and why was that, I guess, important for you in that moment? Um, well, I'll tell you, it was based on two experiences early on. Um, I One of them was in Chicago and I can remember the focus group room right off of Michigan Avenue. Um, mm. There was a woman that came in that was in that group. She was sitting in the back of the table and she just was like off. She was kind of answering things yeah. just a little off. And I, you know, as a moderator, I've got to control the room and you can't let someone go off on a tangent. <laughs> right. right. But yeah. you also want to keep everyone feeling um, engaged, but safe and yeah. welcome to offer their opinions. So mm -hmm. it's a really interesting dynamic, right? As you're kind of dealing with the like psychology of the whole room. Right. Um, but I did kind of have to distance myself from this particular woman because her answers were not going to be helpful to our client. So at the end of the group, I thank everyone and everyone's leaving and she hangs back for just a second. She comes up to me and says, um, you know, and I should say I was for sure judging her. I was like, what is she doing here? Yeah, this is right. not the type of person. Do I go out and have them remove her? What? She's not even paying attention, you yeah. know? So there was, of course, just the judgment going through. So she yeah. comes up to me after the group and apologizes and says i'm you know i'm so sorry if i did i do anything wrong and i said no you were you were wonderful i just wanted to make sure that we heard from everyone yeah and she goes i am so sorry if i just wasn't there you know i had a really rough morning and i went next door to visit my best friend um and they had passed away and i was the one to find them oh, wow and here she had had the most heartbreaking experience that morning and I, it didn't even occur to me yeah. that she could have been having a bad day. Yeah. I mean, just a b general bad day. But she was having a real bad day. Yeah, right. Um, and there was another moment like that, too, with another woman. And I won't get into specifics of that. But after those two, which happened pretty close together, mm -hmm. I was determined to go into a room and just love everyone mm. and not judge and yeah. to look at them as God would look at them. Yeah. To look at them as my brothers and sisters and just mm -hmm. feel so grateful that they were spending time with us and that they're here to offer you know, what they know and what they feel. And, you know, yeah. even though it was about TV, I just really tried to change my perspective. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as I finished up that part of my job in 2019, 
I just remember feeling so grateful for that opportunity and that experience over the 13 years to just really have it ingrained in me that we all have a story. We all have a bad day that no one knows about, you know, and then just to just give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Well, I think that's why you're so good at what you do, because I think that's what comes across is that you just love people. Seriously, like that's that's again why that's why I was so drawn to you, and and so impressed with how you handle yourself. So, I see how the, those experiences, man, it sure sure yeah. plays out even now. And, yeah. and and you probably do it without you really realizing it, but that's the way it comes across. So that's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? And, and I know you believe in God, and I know that you even have that in your 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 frequently asked questions. Do you mm-hmm. people ask you do you believe in God? And you're like, yeah, yeah here's what I believe, and yeah. I love that you own it, and uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I cannot not talk about God yeah. <laughs> and my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. they're such a big part of my life. And I think one of the most important things as someone running a business or an influencer or just, mm-hmm. you know, as you're trying to connect with people, you have to open up. You can't just be surface and yeah. people need to be able to relate to you. And ultimately, when I started Cake by Courtney six years ago, I wanted people to love my recipes, but I wanted them to trust me. I wanted them yeah. to feel like they could come to me like they would a best friend and say, you know, what do I do about this? Or what <laughs> yeah. are the best pair of jeans I should be wearing? And you only ask your best friend those kind of things because right. you trust them the most. Yeah, right. Right. And so <laughs> I wanted to have that relationship with the 10 followers or 100 followers or whoever it was that were going to follow me. I wanted them to really trust me. And I felt yeah. like as I started to share a little bit more about myself and especially in the last maybe three years or so as I've done that more, um, it's really opened up the door for some amazing relationships yeah. with people That's across awesome. the world as we've been able to connect on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Wow. Very well said. Thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. You know, we, I want to ask you about, cause I mean, I know you've gone through your own struggles. You've, you've struggled with anxiety and depression and, and even some body shaming. Will you talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of people wonder, you know, you're so fit and you're eating cake all the time. How yeah. does that work? <laughs> you know, but I think there, again, that's why I want you to, you know, to share what's the story behind the scenes yeah. there. And if you don't mind sharing that with yeah, us, yeah, no, of course. That'd be great. Um, I think there's two parts there, so I'll kind of break them up. Okay. One with the body image stuff, and then we can talk too about um, depression and anxiety. Body image. I mean, I grew up active and and playing mm-hmm. basketball, and it wasn't until I stopped playing basketball that I realized, oh, I couldn't eat the same way. I mean, I didn't realize that looking back, (laughs) you know, but I didn't really have a great sense on how to fuel my body and really take care of it um, the way that I do now. And it's talked about more and a lot differently. I mean, I grew up high school in the nineties, so it was a low fat diet. Right. And that was all that people (laughs) talked about. And fad diets were a huge thing. Um, and I just remember even from a young age, comparing my body to someone else's and thinking mine wasn't good enough and not having the real mental strength and mm-hmm. wherewithal to really be able to combat those negative thoughts. And so, I mean, at 16 years old, I went and bought my first diet pills because mm. I didn't think I could do it on my own. I wanted a quick fix. You know, you look at pictures and magazines back then or Instagram now, and you have on the left side a before picture and on the right side an after picture. And I think in our minds, yeah. what happens is it's like this immediate reaction for an immediate need. Right. Because it's so instant. I can see instantly their before and their after. And at least for me, there are times where I'm like, well, I want that right now. 
Right. I want that to happen to me overnight. I want yeah. to look that way tomorrow. And it, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And it takes a real long time, I think, to learn if we're just going to be going on the yo-yo diets or we're going to try to do a quick fix here, a quick fix there. Um, and it took me a really long time to really find a great balance between, you know, one, how do I want to look, but how do I want to feel, yeah. right? And how do I want to treat my body and what is my body used for and, and what can mm-hmm. it do in a positive way versus what it can't do and what does it do- not mm-hmm. look like, right? And and truly understanding that God created us all differently on purpose right? and not on the on same on purpose. Yeah. And as I started making cakes, I mean, because I was still beating myself up about my body after two babies and, you know, but as I started making right. cakes and really like getting into it, I wanted to enjoy, I want to enjoy my cakes. I am the vice or the president of, you know, taste testing of quality <laughs> control. And exactly. I mean, my kids might say that they take that role, but really, I mean, that is like yeah. my pride and joy of it is to just say, no, this is, I promise the best chocolate cake you'll ever have. Well, I'm only going to know that if I try it yeah. and if I try all the ones that I've sampled and I didn't like, and I, just came to a place that I wanted to really be able to enjoy the indulgent as well as the healthy and just get a better understanding of like, you know, I I beat myself up for way too long for what purpose, right? right? I'm so grateful that I've got two legs I can walk on after having broken a foot and not been able to do that. And I was wheeling around in class and all the things. Gosh, I'm so grateful. I've got two strong legs that I can walk around on and that I can play with my kids. And, you know, I, I think that there is a place for, food that is healthy that is going to strengthen our bodies and allow us to serve and to work and to do all the good things that god wants us to do but i also think there's room for indulgent because that's also really fun and that provides an element of joy just as much as the good you know the good healthy stuff does and so you know (laughs) it took some time to get there but man i wish i could go back and have gotten to that place mentally a lot earlier yeah yeah, and I think the only way to enjoy it is not to beat yourself up after yeah. you have it. Yeah, there's right? no good and bad. I think that's yeah. the hardest thing, right? Yeah. I grew up learning that there was good food and that there was bad food, right? There's moderation in all things. In all things and yeah. that goes not just for food, yeah. but a lot of things, right? Yeah. Being able to moderate and balance. And, you know, I just appreciate food so much more after having lived in Southern California and then also the Bay Area as well. Yeah. Like being around the food scene and <laughs> oh, really yeah. appreciating good food. And it's like, oh, man, this is the best hamburger I've ever had. Right. I'm not going to have it every single day or for every single meal, but right. I'm going to really enjoy it right now <laughs> yeah. on this special meal. Right. Yeah. And and then balance it out with just really, you know, yummy, healthy food that sure. will keep my energy. I love that. So you also, again, you know, struggled with the anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Was that, did that start as a y- younger child or is it, was it later in life? Um, it was when I was about 18. My parents okay. um, were going through a divorce mm. and I, you know, going back in time a little bit, I found out about it my junior year of high school. So I was about 17. Um, I could tell something was off. My mom was having some appointments in in the evening and mm-hmm. I kept pressing her on it, you know, yeah. what what's going on. And yeah. my dad always traveled for work or would work late. So that was never like anything new if he wasn't there or anything, but I could just tell something going on with my mom. And I think that's because we were so close and I was so close with my dad too. And I, I still am. They're two of my best friends. And I found out that they were, you know, my mom was going to therapy and she and my dad were having some, a problem. And, um, you know, I wasn't supposed to share that with my brothers. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. you know, they, they felt like they could work it out. My mom was just like, you know what, we're, we're working on it and everything's going to be okay. Right. You know? Right. And I get how she wanted to protect me and the boys at the time. Um, but I carried that with me for about a year. Mm, and yeah, then in the middle wow. of my senior year, my dad told us that he was leaving 
and I still I don't know what I did you know I guess maybe <laughs> when you think of like the sibling order um, yeah. psychology of it I was the middle child I was always the peacemaker mm-hmm. but I had this element of being the oldest child we always joke too that <laughs> Chris pushed me out of the way right. to come first but I was supposed to, you were supposed to I was yeah. supposed to be here first <laughs> um, because I have a lot of that personality yeah. and I took it upon myself um, to fix my parents I just could not imagine them apart yeah and I wanted to to fix it I was so close with both of them that I felt like okay our relationship I can talk to them and we'll work this out and I you know went off to college at BYU as they were still separated and still just really tried to convince my dad to stay I know they were both going to therapy Um, I had started going to therapy and I wasn't able to fix it it was the summer after my freshman year. So my mom had come to pick me up from college and drive home with me that she told me that they had filed for divorce. And I think that was the trigger. I think, yeah, you know, I've, I found out some things and realizations and therapy I'm even doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was the trigger, the catalyst, I think because of depression running in my family and anxiety running throughout family history too and genetics that it, it was going to yeah. rear its ugly head at some point. Yeah. And this was the catalyst for me at this point. And that summer, maybe a month later or so, I remember, I mean, I can remember the day exactly, um, coming home from a lunch with my mom and my little sister and going inside to just, I can't remember what I was supposed to do, but just quick little stop inside. And then we were going to leave again to yeah. go shopping or something. It was going to be a fun girls day. And I went upstairs and sat on my bed and it was like a wave just crashed over me that mm-hmm. just whoosh, I was felt different. And I, I could really? just remember going from my usual happy, just feeling great yeah. to feeling sad. Wow. And I had no idea why. Mm. And I remember looking in the mirror and feeling like I didn't know who I was looking at, that I just felt so different and it felt so foreign how I felt with just in minutes. Yeah. I was so scared and I just laid in my bed and my mom came in shortly after because we were supposed to be leaving. And she just wanted to see what was going on and are you okay? And I didn't know. I just said, I feel so sad. I can't, I can't get out of bed right now. Wow. And that was the first time I remember having a wave of depression hit me Mm. and started going to therapists around that time too. And I had seen some as a family during the parents or during my parents' divorce leading up to that. Um, And they felt like it was going to be situational depression. Obviously, we were just going through a huge change. So I think I was hopeful and did some medication at that time. But 19 years later, I can tell you it wasn't situational. And it was something that, you know, I was, I guess, part of DNA and part of my life's path that I had to figure out and manage and learn from. Um, and heal from, and it's been hard. Yeah, wow. Well, again, yeah, I could see why you think it was situational at the time because yeah. of what you were going through, but then here we are, you know, you said 19 years later dealing with these things, and how has that shaped you? I mean, because that's not easy. I mean, anyone who's ever dealt with a mental health issue that's listening to this right now, and a lot of them have, they can relate with your story, and how did that shape you, though, and how did that maybe 
help you even learn and grow to where you're at today? Um, I think it's done a lot. At first, I think it was a cause for anxiety and has been. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> um, because I felt shame. I mm-hmm. felt really guilty for feeling sad wow. and depressed because I had a lot going on. I was doing a lot of great things and I had parents who loved me even though they were divorced. I had a great family. I mean, on the surface of things, I should be happy. But I felt so guilty because I wasn't. I was sad. And that just led to shame and to guilt. And Mm. that just kind of makes you go down to that like black hole, the spiral, right? Then you feel more depressed and you feel more shame and you don't want to talk about it. And I think that's the scariest thing about depression and mental illness is people we feel so alone, like no one's going to understand. Right. And back then, 19 years ago, people weren't talking about it right. like they are today. I would not tell a roommate. I like barely told my parents. And yeah. even when I got married to Ryan, I wasn't forthcoming with that information because yeah. I felt so embarrassed and I felt a lot of shame with it. Um, but that's the worst thing that we can do is not talk about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Because we aren't alone. We're not the only ones feeling these feelings. People understand that, you know, more now, I think, than ever that, you know, you you can feel sad for no reason. It can come out of the blue. Sometimes there's something that is the catalyst to it in the moment. Um, but sometimes and a lot of times there's not. And it's just these yeah. feelings that we feel. But if we are not willing to talk about it and share it, we can't get help and we can't find our way through the darkness. And it took, yeah. you know, a lot of time. Um, to figure that out. And I just tried to hide it the best I could for a really long time, but it led to a lot of panic attacks um, to the point that I was, you know, sitting with, and if you've experienced a a panic attack, you know, your chest tightens, (laughs) you can't breathe. And then things get scary that way. Right. And you're fighting through that. And it's just like this vicious cycle of going through the depression and the panic attack and pulling yourself out of it. No, I can be happy. I'm fine. I'm feeling so good. I'm good. I don't need medication. I don't need a therapist. I'm doing so good. And then all of a sudden it hits you again, kind of out of the blue. Yeah. And I just really yo-yoed with this for a very long time, thinking that I could just kind of manage it myself. And I remember having a discussion with my dad years ago after a bad Mm -hmm. um, episode and you know, he said to me, he was like, well, Courtney, how, how can we fix this? And I remember those words just like sat with mm. me for a second. And I said to him, dad, I don't think I can fix it. Yeah. I have to learn to manage it. Mm. How do I better manage it? And at the time it was like, okay, what can I do yeah. to manage myself and, and what I'm dealing with better than I have been? Right. And so yeah. at the time I just switched my men my mentality and my thinking and my perspective. How do I manage it? And so at that point I started waking up earlier and going to bed earlier. Mm. I wanted to wake up earlier. So I had quiet time in the morning before my kids got up and it didn't feel chaotic. I wanted to make sure I exercised so that I was moving my body physically and feeling productive immediately as part of my day. Sure. Right. Obviously helps with the brain health um, there. And then my scripture study was a big thing too. So Mm -hmm. I developed this morning routine. I love it. That was really helpful to me in managing and being able to control part of my day. Um, I wanted to have those moments every day and I still do. It's still how I do my life. I wake up early and and (laughs) exercise and scripture study and I pray every morning and I love that routine and that did help. Um, I think it helped because 
then I was like, okay, here are the things I can control in my life. Right. right. I have yeah. control of these aspects and they're good. They're putting good influence in my life and, and helping me be a better person. And then no matter what else kind of comes that day, I yeah. might be able to manage it a little bit better. And, and that did, I think, help um, yeah. for, for a while. And I've still though, in the last even year have felt like, okay, that's not been quite enough as mm-hmm. I'm still dealing sure. with it. Sure. You know, what else I've just, I, I guess I, I'm a person that loves progress Yeah. and I love to check a box and <laughs> I love feeling yeah. like I'm achieving something. And, <laughs> um, I feel like I got yeah. kind of stagnant still, even with mm. that like routine. Yeah. And so I've even started, um, earlier this year, EMDR therapy. Oh yeah. And with yep. a new therapist that I love that, you know, we've had some really like eye opening moments that here 19 years later, I'm able to yeah. look at situations and see it in a different way and understand myself a little bit better. And EMDR has been so cool. I don't know if you guys have yeah, done we, we do it here. Yeah. Any, yeah, awesome. you do it here. And yeah. so I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast, but it's, that's been really neat. And so that's been another element that I brought into it because you know, maybe it will never go away and I won't heal completely from depression. Mm-hmm. But if I can get like a hold on it, if I can understand what some of my triggers are, if I can have like a recipe, we'll relate it to cake, right? If I can have yeah. the best recipe <laughs> outlined yeah. for managing it, that's what I want to do. I want right. right? So if my for stuff sure. alone isn't yeah. enough and it's just a mediocre chocolate cake, I got to figure out what else I put in that chocolate cake to make it the best chocolate exactly. cake. Oh, it's buttermilk. Yeah. I need that buttermilk. Okay. Yeah. So I need that therapist, right? And maybe it's medication for some people. Well, I love that. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us, Courtney. Honestly, I, this remind, I wrote this quote from you. It says, um, it was talking about why, why do you pour yourself into cake and why do you love it so much? And correct me if this is wrong, but you said, I think it's because I was pouring myself into something that was just for me, uh, gave me an emotional and a mental stability. Yeah. You know, and why that's why you're so passionate about your cake making yeah. and, and baking and so that right? came along. Um, let's see, Weston will be thirteen this December. And on his first birthday I made my first cake. Right. And <laughs> that was a time, I mean, we were living in Santa Monica. It was one of those moments where everything on the surface looked really great and yeah. I had a lot of great things and opportunities. I was working in consulting. So I grabbed a Bon Appetit magazine because that was one of the magazines along with like the Ina Garten cookbooks that I would always see in my in-laws kitchen. And I thought, okay, if I can find a recipe in there, that'll also mean it's just going to be good because Rick and Connie already approve of it. (laughs) And I found a peanut butter cake with chocolate buttercream. And I said, that's my cake right there because I love chocolate and peanut butter. So I was very excited about the cake. I didn't have any like culinary experience to my name. I had a couple cake pans no decorating tools. And I had gotten a mixer when I got married. And so I had a few things and I said, okay, we're doing it. And I followed the instructions, (laughs) not totally knowing what everything meant, but I just went for it. And, you know, Weston would be napping and I'd go in the kitchen, I'd bake the layers and make the buttercream and then go back to it later and, and decorate it. And I mean, it's, I'll often share a picture of this first cake because it looks so different (laughs) from how my cakes look now. Someone once described it and said, well, it looks kind of (laughs) poofy. And I've never used that word to describe a cake, but yes, it looked poofy. It was kind of round. Uh I didn't know about leveling the the top of it. But that day we sang Weston happy birthday and he cried his eyes out because so many people, and I'm sure he was so overwhelmed, 
Um, but we shared the cake with everyone right. and <laughs> I loved it. I loved watching people dig in and experience oh, wow. it and like it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like cake. It was homemade cake and there's something different, For sure. you know, versus store-bought yeah. and just maybe doing something the mix different. or something. Yeah. And it was special. And I just remember thinking, I really like that. I liked sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. I liked being in the kitchen. Yeah. I liked the way that that made me feel. Mm. And I felt good and I felt happy and I felt at peace. And so I wanted to chase down those feelings again. Yeah. And so I looked for an excuse a week uh-huh. later, make another cake. <laughs> you know, it's Sunday dinner. We're going to a friend's yeah. house. Let's make a cake. Yeah. It's a birthday party. I'm going to make a cake. And I did. I just, just, hey, it's a Monday. Let's make a cake. Let's do it. You yeah. know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to go chase down those feelings as often as I could. And I'd wait till I put Weston down for a nap. Um, or maybe he was with Ryan doing something and I'd go in the kitchen and I would bake. And I just kept doing that for years. Um, learning through trial and error, kind of the ins and outs of the kitchen and how to do cakes. And I was on a mission to find the best chocolate cake and the best vanilla cake. And as I did that and tried so many different versions of a chocolate cake, I started to understand what went into recipe development and okay, how do I create my own? And I can start tweaking things and playing around with things. And then that instilled some confidence and just all these feelings that came with being in the kitchen and doing this, like were helping me in so many other aspects of my life that I didn't even realize, Right, you know, like in hindsight, I can look back and be like, wow, I didn't realize that I had this void that was really missing in my life that that started to fill. You know, and six years went by and I had started (laughs) creating my own recipes. We had moved up to the Bay Area and I was sharing my food with people and started getting friends saying, well, are you going to share your recipes? Are you going to start a blog? And no, I mean, that didn't even like cross my mind, but maybe I should. I don't know. And as I thought about it and I thought, well, what what do I want to share? Of course, I want people to come to Cake by Courtney for the best cake of their life because I promised that. I promised that. Yeah, right. (laughs) <laughs> but I wanted to share the feeling and that was really important and still is, is yeah. to share the feeling that came with that first cake and the second cake and the third cake. It was so much more than just being in the kitchen and baking. It right. was about having a happy place. It was a place wow. of peace and joy and the kitchen. It's not just mine. It's my family's. It's where we have memories and we do homework sure. and we do dinner and we pray and we read scriptures like all this and dance parties. I mean, the kitchen is (laughs) the center of our home. And I know it's that way for so many people, but it's because it's not just a gathering place for food. It's a gathering place for love, for the gospel, for tears, for, for everything for for us. And it's like now this sacred place to me. And it was all because of that first cake. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that blows my mind a little bit. Like it was like, this was like the answer on a lot of levels of what you were dealing with. And who would ever have thought it would be making a cake for yeah. your son's birthday party? Yes. Well, and I, even just a few years ago, it like dawned on me all these years that I had been struggling and praying to God, like, take this from me. Yeah. This is, I don't want to wake up feeling this way. Right. I don't want my son to walk in while I'm having a panic attack and him being scared or wondering what's going on. You know, and there's so many times we cry to the Lord and we say, just take this from me. Take this burden, please. And you think you're doing everything right. Mm-hmm. And it's so discouraging when you feel like you don't get an answer. Yeah. At least the answer that you are hoping for, that yeah. you want. And sometimes we yeah. look around and we play the comparison game and we can say, wow, but they had 
rainbows and butterflies and the sky moved and parted for them so that their <laughs> prayers were answered. Right. What yeah. is wrong with me that that's not happening? And I had this realization one day that he had been there with me the whole time. Wow. That he had been there in the kitchen. And it just wow. reminded me that the Lord comes to us where we need him, when we need him. We need to be willing to look yeah. and always be open to that, even in mm-hmm. the simplest things. Yeah. I don't think I realized that he would come to me in the kitchen, that he would be with me in that place. I thought, gosh, right. I would be receiving revelation in, in <laughs> church or while I was For praying sure. or yeah. at the temple, you know, <laughs> right. and maybe I had too high of expectations that I thought like thunder would crash and my answers would be you know, or my prayers would be answered and it doesn't work that way for me. And I learned that the spirit speaks to me in a very soft Courtney like voice, Yeah, something that I'll recognize, but I just didn't realize that that's how he could speak to me. And, um, it just changed the whole game and it changed even my outlook on cake by Courtney moving forward that this, this is his platform. This is something that he gave me to share talents with other people, but also to hopefully share goodness and joy and maybe the light of Christ. Yeah. And I think anyone following you would agree. I mean, you got hundreds of thousands of followers now. And again, just it's a, and it's, it really is. It's like a, it's a, what's the best way to say it? It's, it's a, um, it's a, it's an experience when you're watching you bake this cake. It's like this, and the way you talk and the way you bring people in and the way you, t- you know, just again, your positivity, but it makes it even more impressive just because of the things you've been struggling with and you've been sharing with us today. So I appreciate you sharing that because I think people sometimes might think, oh, she's got it made and she's, she's perfect and her life's amazing, perfect and all this stuff. And it's like, no, you've been fighting through some stuff. But I think because of that, that's why you're doing so well. That's the way I look at it. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean. The challenges make us stronger. I love to run and I hate running hills. (laughs) But gosh dang it, if I run hills, I know my legs will be stronger and I can get faster. Yeah. And if it's not going to be challenging, we're not going to grow. Yeah. And as much as some of those experiences were really hard and I wanted to take them away and there was some really dark days that were scary. And it scares me for other people because I know that they can be a hundred times worse. I needed them. Yeah. I needed them to to eventually grow and become the person that I am today. And I hope that there's more growth and more progress in my future. For sure. Wow. Well, if there's someone listening to you right now who is struggling and they are just in this space right now where they're just, they're not sure what to do, what, what could you tell them right now that might be helpful? First and foremost, don't give up. Don't ever give up on yourself. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about Gaina Lynn who's been on your podcast and she was on my podcast and I love her little hashtag stay in your body. Yep. We are better with you than without you. And I think that that. is so 110% true. You do not know how many people need you. I know sometimes it feels like you have nothing to offer and how could anyone need you or learn from you? But I promise you that someone needs you and that one person matters. Christ left all his sheep for the one that was lost. Yeah. He won't leave you even though it feels like he does. Or maybe he's not there in the moment. Um, I would also say reach out to someone and don't be afraid to talk about it and share it. Yeah. Find someone who 
you trust, that you love. I don't think they should be the person you hope solves the problem. Yeah. But I think someone that you can maybe help you find the right person to talk to. Yeah. Um, but someone that you just maybe helps you feel less alone, yeah. I think are kind of the two okay. the two things. And I I, maybe the third thing, if we want to throw it in there, yeah, is, is find that hobby. Find that passion yeah. that you can just pour yourself into. And it needs to be something I think different than work and different from right. family, yeah. but something that really you can cultivate and develop. And I, you know, I grew up feeling like I didn't have a lot of talents. I mean, I played <laughs> basketball and I did art, but I looked at talents like, oh, I don't sing and I, I don't play the piano. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so I felt like I was talentless <laughs> for a long time. And, um, you know, who knew that? cakes would be a talent that I would have someday right? Yeah, <laughs> and just cultivating it and following that good feeling that it gave me went from a hobby to a talent to this passion yeah. that I just love so much into a business now yeah. that I love sharing with people. So you just never know. You never know. Like as you looked at my first cake, you're not thinking <laughs> I had talent. I didn't have talent back then. Like what is this? No, right? <laughs> but I developed it. I yeah. developed it because yeah. Christ instilled that good feeling in me yeah. that I was associated with it. Yeah. And I wanted wow. to chase. Very well said. That's such good advice. And it reminds me of a quote by Nitschke that says, he who has his why can bear with almost any how. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like yeah. you found your why outside of everything else that you do, yeah. you know. And I know you're doing a lot of great things, and you're a mom first and foremost, and you know, to those beautiful kids. And you know, you're married to your best friend Ryan, and just I mean, you got a lot going on in your life. But uh, I, that is such good advice. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, one last question I think I want to ask you is, what do you love most about you? <laughs> I know that's. I it, don't think I've ever been asked that question. Yeah. What do I love most about me? Wow. Sorry, I'll have to think that about that for a moment. Yeah. You know, I love, I do love my natural happy attitude. Mm-hmm. And I love that I'm drawn to other people. Yeah. And it's something that I think is definitely genetic because my yeah. dad's mom was like this. I mean, we would take grandma Margaret on trips and we'd lose her because she made new friends and yeah. started talking to people. She was just drawn to people. And my dad's that way. And my mom's that way. We're just drawn to other people and their stories. And all of a sudden you're got a new friend in the airport or on the plane or something. Yeah. And I love that that was passed on to mm, me. Yeah. I love that sure. the happy nature that I know that I was born with. That, that I have that yeah, and that it lends itself to just loving other people and being drawn to the people around me. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. It's so cool. You know, I was thinking, you know, like a tagline for this and it just popped into my head, you know, you know, Courtney Rich, who's passionate and loves cake. She loves people more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm hearing from you. And I really do appreciate what you just said. I love that. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. I love people. I know. I'm so grateful for the paths that I get to cross. And I think that's why I love cake class so much. Yeah. It's because we get to bring <laughs> people in and I get to meet yeah. them in person and yeah. I hear their stories and people write in and I just get to connect with people. And I'm just reminded daily that we all have something we're going through, but we're all strong. We all have the resilience. It's there yeah. if we dig deep enough. Yeah. It's incredible to have had some of those experiences shared with me too. Amen to that. Yeah. Wow. 
That is beautiful. Um, so if someone wants to reach out to you and they want to know more about what you do, how do they do that? What's the best way for them to go to your Instagram and your website? Yeah. So Cake by Courtney okay. on Instagram and cakebycourtney.com is my blog. Um, you can always email me at hello at cakebycourtney.com. Mm -hmm. I try to get to my DMs, but if you have a question, <laughs> definitely I would say email is probably the best okay. way. I have an e-commerce site in that shop.cakebycourtney.com with products and online classes. Yeah. Um, but Instagram's where I hang out the most. Yeah. And I love to see it. And, you know, hopefully I try to answer comments and DMs as much as I can there too. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your busy schedule to sit with me. This means a lot to me. Um, I gained a lot of insight today for just stuff that I go through as well. So, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. So thank you for being, not only being willing to do this, but being vulnerable with your story and sharing it with us today. Oh, well, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. You're awesome. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, I told you, you're going to love this. This is amazing. Please reach out to Courtney. Like she said, send her an email, best way to do it. Ask her any questions. Please check out her website and her Instagram. It's amazing. It'll brighten your day, trust me. <laughs> you know, um, the, the Today Show cake, is that? Oh. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> I don't know if I could make it, but I want it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, please reach out to her. She's amazing. Um, and I just, again, love you guys for tuning in week after week. Please share this with anyone in your family who, you know, may be struggling with mental illness or uh, mental, you know, a mental uh, situation that they're struggling with. This will help inspire them and, and realize that there's hope and you know whether you believe in God or a higher power whatever those things are important and reach out and exercise your faith in those areas and, um, but I love you guys and thanks again to our sponsors and Courtney one last thank you to you you're amazing thank you for your time today thank you Todd <laughs>